Think about this. Our brains change. Memory is an amazing. What you think is in our there brains is aren't really finished. They're not fully cooked yet. You go with your heart. You we don't have any idea why yeah, we're, we're doing so smart. most of the things that we're doing. But here's the deal. Many people find that uh, sharing what they have with other people is gratifying in and of itself. I'm Bob Duke. I'm Art Markman. I'm Rebecca McEnroy, and this is Two Guys on Your Head. Today, the psychology of giving and receiving. The fact that you help other human beings is certainly something that our species would not have survived if that were not a prevalent attitude among members of our species, that that sharing with other people uh, leads to often a better existence for everybody involved. Yeah. And, and I think that, that if we think about our motive to give, there are, there are several different intersecting motives that, that come out. So one is that we, the closer people are to us in our lives, the, the more likely we are to want to give to them without really keeping score. But then if you look at the kinds of, of people and causes that we support, in general, they also tend to be closer to us, closer to us geographically, closer to us socially, uh, and and so and then and then we're we're least likely to want to give to people who are very different from us, uh, all else being equal. Yeah, so which it never is, by right. Well, that's and that's yeah, right. and and so then there because and then there are other factors, right? So so then we also take other considerations uh, into account. So, for example, there's there's certainly a spate of giving that you get following a tragedy of some kind. And we've talked about that on past shows, that people will want to be generous in those situations in which they feel that there's an acute need on the part of somebody else. Although even there, it's interesting that those donations get affected by strange factors like you're much more likely to give to a disaster that kills a lot of people than that injures a lot of people, even though in some ways they need the money more when people have been <laughs> injured. Uh, so there's a situation in which we may end up giving to people who are very different from us, but we're doing it because of this other felt need. Right. You know, one of the things that's interesting about just uh, what expectation does to the interpretation of generosity, um, there are many of us who are fortunate enough to have people show acts of generosity and kindness and sharing uh, on no special occasion, right? I mean, just through a daily experience, you tend to encounter somebody who helps you in some way or who shares something with you or who gives you something that they think you might like. And it's not a birthday or a holiday or anything that would sort of prompt giving. And, you know, what happens a lot when things are expected and they regularly occur is in many ways they tend to have a lesser effect, right? I mean, if we know that every Friday, you know, somebody's going to give me some gift at four o'clock, well, the four o'clock on Fridays, as, as they continue to roll around week after week, have less and less of a meaning to me because it's just something that we do. And so this is really interesting because there are several different things that might constrain someone's belief about how likely another person is to be generous, or at least to understand the motives for it. So if there's a holiday or a birthday or an, an occasion, then there is this social expectation. And so now it's a little hard to know how generous the other person was because the situation required this particular action. And there was also a study uh, that I wrote about a long time ago that um, about people's beliefs in free will, mm -hmm. right? And, and so, I mean, leaving aside the question of, of whether free will exists, um, we have beliefs about whether free will exists. And if the more that you believe 
that people are free to choose their own actions, the more grateful you are for the things that they do for you. Because now you believe it was a choice. And if you don't really feel like people have free will, then then just then in some sense their entire life is like a birthday or a holiday or something where they are constrained to do the things that they do. <laughs> yeah, so right. then you don't give them as much credit for it. I think there there are different layers of this that we need to separate out. Yes. Right. I mean, one has to do with when people have the capacity to give, and people interpret that capacity differently. Right. Because there are many people who you would think they don't have anything, and yet they feel like they can share what they have with other people. And many people, other people who seem like they have boundless <laughs> amounts think, well, I, can't, I really can't afford to be that generous with other people. And and that those differences among individuals, I, I, I think, have a lot to do, and a lot of data would suggest this is the case, with, with people's day-to-day -day happiness and sense of well-being, right? I mean, we have said on other shows on other occasions that being generous, that is sharing what you have with other people or giving things to other people, is in many ways rewarding in a very fundamental emotional way. And and the idea that you know you, you may have to be prompted to do that doesn't necessarily diminish that. What do happiness studies say about the people who are receiving charity? I certainly think there's a, there's a cultural component, right? So one of the things that, that we know the research on, on the dimensions of culture, one of the big dimensions that psychology has played with a lot is, is this in individualism versus collectivism dimension. And, and United States and Western cultures in general tend to be fairly individualistic. And so part of individualism is feeling self-sufficient. And so in those cultures, receiving charity requires acknowledging that you needed the community's help to do something. And actually receiving yeah. generosity of any kind can feel that way. And so, uh, whereas in a, in a more collectivist culture where people necessarily feel more interconnected with the people around them, there is less uh, stigma around uh, taking the generosity of others. And what's interesting is that, that those experiences in life that drive more of a feeling that the of a need for community will also often create less of a stigma or a feeling of embarrassment around receiving generosity. So for example, the death of a loved one is a incredibly difficult experience to go through and it tends to drive you closer to your community all else being equal partly because thoughts of death often make you more sensitive to the people around you and to the extent that people rally together to help you through that situation. I, I think almost no one feels embarrassment in that situation. And I think it has to do in part with the fact that no matter how individualistic we may be culturally, we tend to connect ourselves to community in times of war. Next week, we'll talk about nostalgia with Dr. Art Markman and Dr. Bob Duke. David Alvarez is our engineer, and I'm Rebecca McEnroy. I produce Two Guys on Your Head at KUT Radio in Austin, Texas.